Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Good morning, everyone, and uh, once again, just want to thank you for coming out, uh, joining us for our Sunday morning worship service here at Creekside. Uh, And again, if you're here visiting, it's your first time here, again, thank you so much for taking time to come out. Uh, Here we are passionate about Jesus and helping people along the journey. And so again, just want to thank you for coming out. Uh, So just want to kick off our panel discussion this morning. Uh, Last week we discussed, or we kicked off rather, an eight-week series uh, called The Church Jesus Had in Mind. And We looked at last week the idea that some churches can be very much motivated by God's grace um, and others, if they're not careful, can adopt a model where they're driven by rules and regulations or commands. And so today we're in session two and uh, we're going to examine the role of the Holy Spirit in the church today and how that affects us today. And uh, we want to read a quote by A.W. Tozer. He was one of the great preachers of old. And he says these words, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. And it's a sobering thought to consider that churches uh, and, and perhaps maybe organizations can be established without the Holy Spirit at the center of it all. And it's a sobering reality, even where churches that are initially birthed by the Holy Spirit uh, and become established, but then move away once they are established in a particular time or era where God is moving, God is breathing upon uh, a nation or a city or a suburb, whatever it is. And then once they become established, they eventually lean away from their dependence on him. And uh, I just want to open up just to give this a bit of context this morning. Uh, In the book of Acts chapter 5, the leaders of the early church, they're standing trial. Uh, They're in a lot of trouble for uh, speaking about Jesus and declaring him the savior of the world. And a well-respected Pharisee, his name was Gamaliel, and uh, he gives some advice. All the religious leaders are gathered together. They're trying to work out what do we do with these men. They're causing so much havoc in our city. And Gamaliel turns to these brothers of his, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and concerning this new rise, this new movement called Christianity, this is what he says, and I want to read it to give this message a bit of context this morning. Acts chapter 5, verse 35, it says, Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him, and he was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, this is concerning the Christian church at the beginning when the Holy Spirit came upon God's people. This is what he says. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, listen to this, it will fail. But verse 39 in Acts chapter 5 says, But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Isn't that an incredible portion of text? 
in the Bible this morning. It's the difference when the Holy Spirit is at the steering wheel of His church. That's the difference. It's something that can't be stopped. It's like a, it's like a train that's going full gallop, and you can't stop that thing. When we allow the Spirit of God to move, and we allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign, Jesus said to His disciples, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail. And it's here where we find that although there may be opposition, because how many of you know life isn't always easy? Although there may be opposition, setbacks, assaults, it cannot stop ultimately what God is doing because it is Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit that is building up His church and His people. So the emphasis this morning is here at Creekside, we want to be the kind of church that relies and depends on God's power to do His work. Uh, We want to be a people that are not only recipients of grace, we spoke about that last week, but we want to express that. We want that grace to so affect us that we become gracious people, compassionate people towards those around us as well. So before we begin, with us, Vern Hazelwood and uh, Shane Ginn, uh, to come and share how they have seen the Holy Spirit at work uh, in, in their lives and uh, in their experience. And in order to kind of understand what God has done in Creekside and Carmichael, uh, we need to first understand what God did at a church called Mueller. So I want to uh, ask maybe perhaps you, Vern, first, if you can kick us off, if you can give us a story, the story of Mueller and uh, how, what the Holy Spirit has done there over the years. Thanks a lot, Glenn. Um, I'm going to just really uh, sort of compress this down to a few minutes, so there'll be a lot of gaps. Um, But we had a conviction um, at Mueller Church. It was then called Redcliffe Christian Assembly, but we had a conviction of what we were doing on a Sunday morning with uh, a great group like the Kids Church here. Um, We we would do that every day of the week, and uh, we would just... God really touched our hearts and we felt that we had to move and do something um, that he was asking us to. Well, there are, this is back in the mid, middle 80s. Um, we saw some land, we worked out uh, appointments and a lot of deals, well, um, potential deals with developers. They all came to nothing. I mean, we were just going ahead, we were praying about it all, but... Our plans were being put aside, and I believe the Holy Spirit was leading us, you know, in a different direction. Um, so we saw this 50 acres at Rothwell, and it looked pretty good. There were nice, healthy cattle on it at the time. Um, it was out of town, but, you know, we felt that it was something we could work with. The sale price was $250,000. We had about $1,000 in the bank. So... Immediately, it sort of raises issues about, you know, either insanity or impossibility or whatever. But that, that money is equivalent now of about 1.5 to 2 mil. So it was um, a lot of, lot of money. Um, but there are a number in the church who felt the same conviction, wanted to mortgage their homes so that we could each get out about $100,000 on loan from one of the um, credit unions. Um, So there was a developing interest and commitment, but one of the uh, loan insurance um, bodies, it was the forerunner of ASIC, uh, put the can on that. They they squashed it because they said it was um, not going to be a a serviceable arrangement. (laughs) 
Well, the Lord was leading us clearly. But look, then a family in the church sold their home. Uh, Mike and Judy Langtree gave the money. Oh, sorry, lent it, put it on loan, I should say. And we got in touch with Gordon Blowers, who was uh, the founding director of Mobile Mission Maintenance. He had some friends in Melbourne. So here he was, a Victorian, come up to Queensland, knew about us. And anyway, it's, it's God was, the Holy Spirit was moving these people in that direction so that we could end up buying um, with the Mission Enterprise finance as well. We could buy the land and develop it. Sorry, that was a long answer. Oh, no, that's fine. And so it's exciting, right, when God gets involved. And so we looked at Mueller, but now we want to, uh, I guess, kind of look at what God has been doing here at Creekside and also on campus in Carmichael College. And so, uh, Shane, maybe if you can uh, just tell us a, sh a story of Creekside and Carmichael. Yeah, look, um, we're going to be looking at some of the yes, particular stories as we go through this morning. But again, as Verna shared, shared is it just a high level on the back of the Mueller vision, uh, obviously there was a heart to take that model of ministry uh, to further afield to other communities where churches could engage in, a, in the context of creating a Christian school to reach families and children for Jesus. And so Vern and that generation of leaders at Mueller sought the property here that we're now seeding on and uh, developed on uh, back in 2001 where, uh, again, uh, maybe a little bit more expensive, not so much uh, uh, than Mueller, but uh, the land was purchased for this initial vision for a Christian school and at the heart of that for a church to be established uh, to influence this community. And for eight years, when that land was purchased here, uh, applications were denied, roadblocks kept coming up and over and over again there was another Christian organisation that was charged with putting together a master plan, putting the application to council, state government and after eight years uh, they came back to the leadership there at Mueller and said look guys this is, this is a dead end. Uh, you really need to consider probably selling that property. It's, it's just never going to happen. Uh, there's no way you're going to be able to get that off the ground and, and kind of walked away from it, I, I suppose, you know, back sort of uh, 10 years or so more ago. Uh, further to that, you know, uh, the little church here, Creekside Community Church, was established. It was then called Morayfield Community Church, started in, in Vern's uh, lounge room, uh, because as they uh, really led the charge with this vision, they also moved out into the area and thought, well, you know, we want to establish a Christian church that will one day be at the heartbeat of this school ministry. And so God, you know, in his power and his way, developed a little church from a lounge room to a backyard shed. And as that grew, uh, we sought the opportunity to move down to Narangbar Valley uh, Primary School. We were able to be established there and grow there as a church. Um, but all along the way, uh, God was at work moulding, shaping. His timing was always going to be perfect. But there were lots of roadblocks, lots of challenges, and we're going to drill into them a little bit further today in our discussion. But I'll, uh, I'll share that shortly. Thanks, mate. Yeah, 100%. And it's exciting because you and I this morning, you're sitting here, and there's the, but we don't necessarily consider the history and uh, what God has done in the background. And um, I just want to encourage anyone out there is that just know that God's never, he never stops, uh, and he's constantly working in the background. And so uh, this morning, we want to look at three thoughts, uh, three thoughts and of how the Holy Spirit works to empower his church. And so the first thing that we want to examine this morning is that the Holy Spirit builds his church by giving supernatural guidance. Uh, Jesus spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit in John 16, verse 13. And he says this, that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And so we see here uh, in the New Testament that Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit this morning, he builds his church by giving his people supernatural guidance. We see in Acts chapter 8 an example of the Holy Spirit. And he's, the Holy Spirit is directing and guiding a man named Philip. And it says in Acts chapter 8, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. And the man says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So the man invites Philip up and to come up and sit with him. And then a conversation is had concerning Jesus. And so here we can see that the Holy Spirit, he is able to lead us, you and I this morning, um, into divine encounters with people who are searching uh, and where we can share the living hope that we have in Jesus. I want to give you a few more scriptures before we uh, go into the next set of questions. In Acts chapter 10, verse 19, we see here, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Go, uh, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So you can see the Holy Spirit moving in the background. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who was respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. And so we see here that even now, the Holy Spirit is still at work, very much at work today, in the background giving guidance, giving direction. And I don't know about you, but I've got plenty of times and moments in my life where I felt lost. Hello, somebody? We felt lost. We felt like, we, where do we go now, Lord? And we just feel like, have we hit a roadblock? Uh, but lo and behold, when we trust in God and know that the Holy Spirit is still for us and He's still here today, uh, that we're able to see the direction in hindsight Later on, one more verse, Acts 13, 2. While they were still worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So how comforting it is to know that the Holy Spirit isn't silent. That he can provide guidance, he can provide help and assistance for us as his church and as his people. And uh, so going back to you, Vern, uh, perhaps maybe you could share a story of where the Holy Spirit has guided leaders, uh, the leaders, perhaps maybe a Mueller or any other experience there to, I guess, build his church. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. Look, literally, there would be hundreds of stories, and uh, we're trying to sort of get all those together. Um, but uh, it's so hard to pick on one. But, you know, I remember walking into the Reckliff city council one day to meet the town clerk and uh, to put the whole proposal to him and he said, he said to us, he said, he looked around at us in a uh, disapproving sort of a way and just said, look guys, you'll need a lot more than prayer to get this off the ground. You know, so here it was, it was just a, a paddock 
and we were talking about it back there then, a $20 million development. So, but the thing is, it was only a matter of a few years later, probably 10 years later, that he really came on side and uh, was very supportive of us, as were a lot of the other council officers who weren't, weren't Christians, but they could see that God was at work and uh, things were moving, that, that the communities were appreciating what was being offered in the name of Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit who was overcoming suspicion and resistance and sarcasm and barriers and hurdles all the way along. Um, so some friends in a church on the north side of Brisbane, you know, called the project a white elephant too, you know. So we didn't have a lot of uh, support back in those days, but the thing that we did have, which is all we needed, was we had the support of God's leading through his Holy Spirit. We, we met so frequently for prayer. Um, you know, and the guys who've been around will know that. There was, there was definitely a fortnightly prayer time. Um, one evening was set aside to that every fortnight, specifically for the project. But then there were many other impromptu prayer uh, issues along the way. God really did work in a powerful way. He was at work. We, had, we used to sing a song in the band, um, My God is Real. Um, we thoroughly agree with that. You know, we could see God, our real God, at work. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, maybe perhaps even to you, Shane, just in terms of Creekside in the context of Carmichael, just the Holy Spirit guiding um, people. Yeah, absolutely, mate. God guides by, you know, maybe sometimes shutting one door, opening another. And uh, I think back again as we were transitioning as a church, uh, God was blessing the church, it was growing, we needed to find another venue. And uh, we approached a lot of other community centres, uh, community halls, function centres, trying to find a place where we could move the church from out of this backyard shed into somewhere a little bit more public, a bit more space. Uh, we were able to, uh, you know, more easily operate and function as a church. And so we, we prayed for lots of, you know, times together, seeking what God might guide and lead us to. Nothing came about uh, until one day an opportunity arose to meet the, the school principal down in Narangbar Valley Primary. And, and it just seemed like a great mix. She was at a season of life where I remember she was going through her own sort of challenges personally and we were able to come along and, and just minister to her and pray with her and, and just come alongside at, at this time that God had sort of opened up. And as we explored our need of a bigger venue with her for our church, they were so gracious and, and opened up their huge sports hall. They basically gave it to us. So for next to Nick's in terms of what the weekly rent was, it would have hardly paid for the lights. But out of that opportunity of God guiding us there for a season of time, we're able to then get involved in the, the RI program, the religious uh, instruction program in the local state school there. And almost at, at one point, nearly every child in that school, over 1,100 of them, were able to hear the gospel, the message of Jesus. Every single week, we had a huge team from the church that was able to go and bless the teachers, provide morning teas for them uh, You know, each term. Uh, the, the, the school came and joined us on our community Christmas event, and they would bring items and do things. And it was a great you know, opportunity for that season that God God opened us and led us through as a church to minister and to speak into the lives of so many. At a school campus and development uh, sort of level, in terms of God guiding us here, 
I think back not long after uh, myself and a few other younger guys got involved and in, in hopefully you know, praying to see this vision come about, it all got sort of just left in the lurch, sort of people were walking away from it and it was like, yeah, I think you guys need to sell that land, give it up, it's no good, you're never going to get there. Um, and again, after, you know, as Vern explained, numerous council meetings again with the local council here, the state, you know, government uh, group about the development, knocked back, knocked back, knocked back. At one point, God, I believe, clearly led us to a gentleman um, from Mount Me, uh, John Lind. And I explained to him what we were going through, what we we're up against. And he said, you know, have you guys thought about this? There's this application that I've come across for land outside the urban footprint. It had to do with the zoning of the property that state government had put across this land. He said, have you thought about this application? It's got this little, you know, one-liner in this application that you could tick uh, in that it would fall under a community sort of infrastructure development. And it had a place for a small education, a limited education opportunity if you were to develop a, a, a school limited to 5,000 square metres. He goes, I, I think you, should, you guys should try it. It was for pre-regulatory provisions for land outside the urban footprint. Anyway, long story. We thought, well, we've been praying, you know, and we're like, well, God, if it's you, let's give it a shot. And so we filled in that application. We got it to council. And, you know, again, a heck of a long story later, we believe it was God's leading and guiding that actually gave us the approval for the starting of this school through that application. And yes, it was only very small. Yes, it was limited. Uh, but God got the foot, you know, a foot in the door and, you know, the, it's, the, the, the rest is history. Um, but they were just stupid, specific things I was thinking of in terms of God's guidance and leading uh, in those two stories, mate. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm reminded of a text in the Old Testament says, where God says, I can turn the hearts of kings the way I do the windings of rivers. And so sometimes when you think like, oh, this guy is not for me, he's against me, or this, is this, this, this application or whatever it is, even on a personal level, just know that God can turn things around in the background. And so it's always good for us to pray as, a people, as his people. Amen. Um, the second thing we want to look at very quickly is the Holy Spirit builds his church by working supernaturally above and beyond what is humanly possible. And it's kind of like we're hearing a, uh, this intertwined with these stories. But I want to share with you some verses just so we can see it in the Bible itself. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, You will receive power, that Greek word dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which, to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, in verse 19, and, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. This is a great scripture in Romans 8, 11. He says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Mark 4, 20. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. And so, again, this is a supernatural thing. This is something that is beyond even our control um, because how many of you know that God dwells outside the realm of the natural? And uh, so t I want to turn it to Vern. Could you share with us, Vern, just a story of uh, where you have seen the Holy Spirit work in power uh, to build his church? Yeah, look, we'd put the application for Mueller in, in 1988 as a new school application. Um, and uh, 
we had to give two years advance notification for because we wanted to start the school in 1990. Um, now, just within about 24 hours of our um, of, of the closure for objections to the school application, we received a letter from the uh, Queensland Teachers Union, which outlined a couple of pages, and they were onerous pages of objections. You know, it was just. We had 24 hours to look at this because there was a deadline cut off until we could get a response back. You know, we're working full-time jobs at that stage, you know, and, but somehow or other, this is where it was humanly impossible, but we are able to ring around at least a dozen schools, mainly competitive state schools from Redcliffe, Caboolture, Pine Rivers area, get all of their demographics, get their waiting lists, get their numbers, get everything, all the stats. We had as many numbers as you wanted. Um, plus, um, yeah, a lot of other information as well. We worked on it all that night. I didn't get any sleep that night. Went, went to work the next day <laughs> without having a wink of sleep. But it, we'd finished it. There's my two brothers, Bruce and Don and myself, we worked it through. And we express posted it to Canberra that next morning as soon as the post office opened and got it there that same day. And look, it was blown, their objections were just blown out of the water. And I just see that as, that was a real deliverance from above. Yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Uh, turning to you, Shane, uh, could you share with us as well a story of where you've seen the Holy Spirit work in power? Yeah, absolutely. I think on the back of gain, the story of Mueller, it, 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 hearing those stories as a young guy growing up, I think increased our faith that knowing that God is a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. And so as we hit the roadblocks here at Carmichael, it was on the back of the faith of you know, Vern and that generation of what they did as God came through faithfully for them. We had that continued faith also to keep pressing on. We also came against lots of opposition, as I shared earlier. I know Vern will remember times as we met with the state minister for a department of, of, of environmental and resource development, clearly said to us at a meeting once, you guys will never get a school on that site, give it up, walk away from it. Um, again, though, as we, we, we shared, God moved in power eventually in that sense of giving approval and seeing the school start. But even more in this day and age, even just recently, um, it seems like you know, at every turn, you're up against it in some way, whether it be financially, whether it be approvals, whether it be enrolments, whether it be something to do with the, the campus. God, though, faithfully continues to come through. The, the, the last building we built out here, the, the big administration building that you see, the basketball court, uh, it came to the point we had a contract signed. The builders were about to start Monday morning. And Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, I was still trying to get a building approval through council. God, we can't start this building. They're rolling in the contractors Monday morning, and it's going to be a lot of confused people and frustrated people if this doesn't come through. But at 4.30, I thought council shut at 4 o'clock. But anyway, 4.30, they email through a final building approval to be able to start this building on Monday morning. You know, those sort of last-minute deadlines. On Friday this week, I had a call from... Uh, there's, a, there's a state body that helped finance and contribute funds towards our building projects. And uh, as a new school, our debt is, is up there, as you could imagine, for a new development. And so we've been praying, God, we just ask for favour that empower you would provide financially what we need for the ongoing building program to cater for all the kids. And so on Friday this week, I rang up the, uh, the state body that helped finance some of the, the building costs... And I spoke to the guy there, Rod, and I said, Rod, how do how we go, mate? You know, we've been through this year-long process of interviews and meetings, you know, trying to demonstrate our need for this new building. And so then they go away and 
you know, uh, deliberate on how much they're going to give us. And I said, well, how much are we going to get, mate? Where, where are we at? What's your recommendation? And he pulls out the paperwork and he says, oh, look, uh, yes, oh, Shane, look, um, oh, uh, look, let me just go and check this. I don't know if this is right. It's, it's, I think it's too much. Uh, or he, he sort of alluded to that. And I'm like, oh, you know, okay. So he went away, talked to this other guy, come back, no, nah, no, nah, mate, no, nah, it's all good. You, you, we're awarding you $1.9 million for this next building project. And I'm just like, wow, thank you, God. Like, uh, you know, this project is, is quite a big classroom block that we're about to embark on next year, and they're awarding us this incredible amount of money uh, towards it. Uh, just an answer to prayer. I mean, it's nothing. We've done nothing. We're just trying to just be faithful and demonstrate our needs, but it's through the prayer, prayer and power of God that we see him come through and just those ways of financially helping and assisting us in the development here. I mean, Alpha just recently was the most we've ever had. We've seen some incredible baptisms. God working in power in drawing people, growing his church. It's not us that can convince people of their need of the gospel. We can only be faithful in sharing it, but it's the power of God at work that brings people through to that transformational change, their need of reaching out to Jesus. Um, thinking of the childcare center too, through COVID, uh, it was a very difficult time. A lot of childcare centers in the area were closing down, pulling back, uh, lots just really doing it tough because of COVID. But we prayed, and God, this is your ministry, your work. You, we trust that you'll come through in power and provide for our center here as Carmichael Kids in Kindy, you know, service the community. We are actually have been the busiest we've ever been, you know, through COVID. Uh, we're at the point now where we have enrollments through to nearly 2022. We, we, we're struggling to find enough staff. Kiri here has just started as our assistant director. Fantastic, Kiri. Uh, but, you know, again, it's a blessing of God as he's provided in power beyond what we could ever do, what we were ever capable of uh, in these sort of seasons of time. It's out of our control, but God continues to be faithful, mate. It's exciting. Yeah, so exciting. That's awesome. So, uh, and congratulations, Kiri. Uh, awesome. Um, the third thing that we want to look at, just so, and so we can wrap this up this morning, and uh, we want to look at the Holy Spirit builds His church, and this is one that I'm, I personally think is really, really important for, for us as His people. The Holy Spirit builds His church by giving us a vision for the future. And uh, I want to read some verses in Jeremiah 1, 4. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, this is God speaking, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. In other words, Jeremiah is recognizing his insignificance for the task. And he says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and said, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Luke 1.13 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He was never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous." 
And so one last text, and again, I'm sorry, I apologize for all the scripture, but it's encouraging to know that it's here in his word for us to glean on. It says in Galatians 1.13, For you have heard of my precious way of life in Judaism. This is Paul speaking about his, his testimony and how he received Jesus. How intensely I persecuted the church of God. How intensely this man tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of, of my own age from among my, my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was to uh, not to consult any human being. And so we see here that the Holy Spirit is able to give us a vision and able to inspire us. And uh, again, I wanted to just open it up for both of you, if that's all right, before we wrap up. If you could just uh, tell us about the vision that the Holy Spirit has uh, given us here at Creekside and Carmichael. Yeah, no worries. Sure. Look, I think um, as we've prayed and sought the Lord, seeing the way that he has miraculously answered prayer, the way he has guided us, it's undeniable uh, that he is in this journey for us here as Creekside Community Church, connected with this broader community of Carmichael College, kids, kindy, and the cafe out here. And part of that vision that we believe that God has put on our heart is for Creekside Community Church to be at the center, the spiritual heartbeat for what is happening here on campus from Monday to Friday. I know we all can't be here Monday to Friday, but our vision is, is that our church will be represented in different spheres, in different ways, by volunteers, from our pastoral care team, by all our volunteers in different ways, of which we permeate and connect and reach out to the community here that comes across these gates, uh, these you know driveways every single week, every single day. Now over 600 families that come on campus every day, and we're excited that as we grow as a church, as we engage in this vision of what God's planted us here for, that Creekside will become known as that center point, that lighthouse that reaches out and shines into the lives of the families of our children here across campus. But beyond that, we believe that God has led us to take this campus model, to take this vision of church-centered education to other campuses and develop elsewhere. And so we've been seeking uh, opportunities with other developers around the area. Uh, we're engaging and really seek your prayers for this too as we talk to guys over at North Harbour, as we talk to uh, the developers down at Flagstone. We've been up to Aura at South Caloundra up there looking at the huge developments that are going on and God just praying and wondering, is it that you might take us for such a time as this and plant another Christian school, another church plant coming out of Creekside to be at the heartbeat, spiritual heartbeat in one of these areas one of these developments. So we're really excited by that. And our, our goal, our vision, um, as we sort of nutted around together and bantered around, that we would have 5,000 children in our care by 2025. Now, that, that might, you know, that's, that's a long shot, but we're praying that God will do this. He is a faithful God and he's able to do more than we could ever imagine. And although it may be a long shot, we're trusting that God will continue to bless the communities as he takes us and plants us elsewhere. Awesome. So there you go. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Yeah, look, church, I appreciate as well for maybe some of you here, um, you know, what we want to communicate just as we wrap this up is that, yes, God is moving in all these amazing, humongous, you know, huge projects, but I just want to clarify something is that the, ch the word church in the Greek means ekklesia, and what that means is the gathering together of his people. 
So we, the church, we thank God for this amazing facility that we have. We thank God for the cafe. We thank God for the playground. We thank God for the various ministries that we have. But the church is people. The bricks of the church are flesh and blood. And I want to encourage you, it's because every single one of you here, uh, again, if you, if you have accepted that free gift of salvation uh, through Jesus Christ, you are the church. We are the church this morning. And so everything that we've spoken about, about what uh, the plans and the vision that we, and the guidance and all these things and, and the testimonies of God's power to move, it's actually all for people. It's all for you. It's all for me. I'm, and I just wanted to share, so I'm quite new to Creekside. And uh, my family and I have attended this church since the beginning of the year. We came from a very, very heavy uh, rules-driven type of environment. And uh, eventually we burnt out uh, quite bad. Um, I was very heavily involved in ministry at that point in time. And I very rarely saw my family. Uh, so I would work a full-time job, and just to give you some context, I would come home, quickly see my family, and I'd be out the door trying to uh, follow up and, and, and make sure that someone's okay, that needs help, they needed support, I'd go there. By the time I'd get home, it could be anywhere between 10 o'clock, 10.30, that I'd start writing sermons, I'd, I'd start putting messages together, and I'd probably get to bed around 1, 2, 3, 2 o'clock in the morning, um, and then I'd have to wake up, and then there was the, the, the routine of all this stuff. I wasn't sleeping well, and uh, I very rarely, and I, saw, I guess I say that to say this, is I saw the impact that that had on my family, my wife, particularly my kids as well, um, and that here, here are my kids. They're in church three times a week as, on a minimum. We're at church three times a week, uh, and they're in church circles, Christian circles, and yet there's no real connection to Jesus because it's just like, oh, you know, dad's, um, you know, you're just the absent dad, but yet I'm trying to do all the right things as a father. When we decided that and we felt God's leading to say, you know what, man, it's time to switch up gears and we decided to come here. We, we got, managed to get our, our eldest daughter, Ellie, into the school. And from January this year, even up until now, I was sharing with some of the guys, like just the quality of uh, not just the education, the education's phenomenal, uh, and the support from the teachers that they give, that just they really love and care for the kids. But also as well, the spiritual participation that I see now in my own children, that they want to pray, that they want to worship, that they want to uh, they want to be around other, uh, other people that, that, are, that are in that, in that space and community. They love the school. They, they're proud of their school, but they're proud to, uh, as well of, of where, where God has put them in a church as well. And for me, you can't put a price tag on that. And uh, I just want to let you know that the church is people. So it's, it's you this morning. And everything that we do uh, as a church, as, a, as, as Christians in general, if we are to be motivated by grace, our job is to help every, everyone that we can along the journey of faith to discover Jesus and to follow him fearlessly. And so I just want to encourage you that, again, you're here. Again, it might sound like, yeah, wow, that's great. Wow, projects, projects. But God builds the church one life at a time. And so you matter. God is involved. That means that God is so involved in your life. 
and he cares about your situation. He knows, he sees, and he understands. And if we can just trust in the Holy Spirit, God builds his church one person at a time. And so maybe you're here and maybe you're just kind of ex- searching. You're not really, at, at un- you're unsure about Christianity. Um, I just want to encourage you that after the, the service today over at the deck, um, we have our next steps. Again, if you've got youth that are from, you know, grade seven all the way to 12, uh, we have a, a youth group. We have kids church, kids ministry. Um, you know, all of that is to serve you. And to serve people that they can know Jesus. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. We are the church. Amen. And so uh, why don't we just bow our heads this morning. We just want to pray and invite the musicians to come up uh, this morning. That'll be great. Thank you very much. Uh, Father, we, we're grateful, Lord, this morning, God, uh, just for the reminder and the, and the stories, the testimonies, God, of uh, you really moving in real time, God. And we know that you haven't left us nor forsaken us. We thank you this morning. Uh, God, that you care about every single person here. Uh, everyone is precious in your sight, God. And Lord, you loved it so much, you were willing to give everything, you, put, you were willing to put everything on the line. You gave your son Jesus to die so that people could know you. And we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to us, God, that uh, we know that after you rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven, God, we're grateful that you sent the Holy Spirit to remind us, uh, God, that you, you're still there, still working in the background, even though we don't see it, God. Even though we might think, God, where are you? We know that you are still working in the midst because you love us. God, just help us if there's anyone here, God, that are wrestling with, uh, I guess, trauma, that are in a season of crisis, God, I pray that you would help them to find peace. I pray that you would help them and comfort them this morning, God, as they leave this place, they wouldn't leave here the same way that they came in. Remind each and every one of us, God, that yes, there are these grand tasks and and things that you want to do in the earth, God, but you care about the individual. You care about our lives and where we're at, Lord, and you know the situation, God, and I pray, remind us of your goodness today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen.